So I'm excited to have the opportunity to get up here and speak about something that I think is important. As you might imagine, I think uh, small groups one of the most important things we do here. Um, I should. If I didn't, I wouldn't do what I do here. Um, I'm a little bit uncomfortable in this uh, Garth Brooks uh, microphone, but I'm going to do, do my best here. I, f- I feel like I should be wearing a two-tone shirt and singing about the rodeo, but... Um, So uh, small groups, as you might imagine, I think are important. Uh, Way back in the beginning of this thing, um, probably 2016 or so, we hadn't even launched or anything yet, and I had to write a one-page summary about a vision for uh, small groups. What should they uh, look like? What should we do? Uh, Why do we do it? Um, And all that. And so in the prep for this, I read over that a few times, um, and I was encouraged because some of the things had changed. Like, like in the way I saw it from some uh, new books I may have encountered or uh, some new uh, teaching I may have encountered, uh, some of those things had changed. But the core of it, the uh, why we do it, and the main outline of the things we do had stayed the same. Um, so I thought that we would uh, start off with kind of the, I guess you'd say, uh, the mission or vision uh, statement Uh, that I wrote as an opening uh, for the one page. And that is, uh, Restoration Small Groups exist three reasons. One, uh, for the glory of God. Uh, Two, is for a real community for believers in Christ. And uh, three, is to engage our city with the gospel and with the vision of our church, which is the advancement of the gospel. Those two are not uh, separate. Um, It's uh, one and the same. Went on to say, and I stole this from from uh, Brad House, who wrote a really good uh, book on uh, small groups. Um, we see uh, no support in Scripture for personal and autonomous faith in Christ. Rather, we display the image of God in us, uh, living in community with others. I think we have bought a, uh, I guess it's a lie. I think it's a uh, misunderstanding. Because I think we have reacted to this idea of a faith or a works-based salvation. And we swung the pendulum as far as we could the other way and said, it's not about your works, it's about a relationship with Jesus, which is true. But then we acted like that was a very uh, personal and a uh, private uh, relationship. And while it's personal, it's not as personal as you might have believed. Because as you read in Scripture, and as I hope you'll see, uh, um, faith is meant to be lived out with others. It's not intended to be a thing you live out on your own. You don't see any Lone Ranger heroes in the Bible. And the Lone Ranger wasn't even by himself. He had somebody else too. (laughs) Um, But you don't see very many people in Scripture uh, living out their faith or walking out their faith in God and doing it on their own, not being successful anyway. So I think that... uh, your personal relationship with Jesus is not as personal as you may have believed. 
So uh, biblically, why do we do this? Why is it important that we live with other people who believe in not Christ? And as an extension, why are small groups important? Because I would say that the best way to live this way is to uh, be in a uh, small group. So biblically, uh, why do we do that? If you've been here for any amount of time, you know that uh, we teach uh, verse by verse through uh, books of the Bible. And so I thought, well, man, I've got to pick a big section of Scripture, and I've got to go uh, verse by verse and all this and that. So the go-to one is in Acts, uh, chapter 2. And you see the early uh, church as they lived uh, with each other, and they worked out this uh, new faith uh, with each other. And then I thought about some other scriptures, and I thought, well, maybe I want to go here, or maybe I want to go there. And then I thought, well, the most important thing, I think, is for them to see that this is not just a, this is not just one text where one guy had the idea that a biblical faith is lived out with other people. It's a thread that you see all through the Bible. And it's written in almost a way where the uh, writers of Scripture would just assume you know this, or they would just assume you're doing this, because you see them almost as they mention it in passing. And in other times, you see the things they're saying, that it'd be impossible that you do the things they're saying unless you're living out your faith in community with other believers in Christ. Like, you couldn't do what they're commanding you to do unless you're living this out uh, with other people, maybe even in small group. So there's going to be going to be a lot of scriptures I'm going to uh, reference. I'm not going to have any of them on the screen. If you want a list of these after, I'll give them to you. And I may not actually read them out word for word, um, but we have the example about Jesus. If Jesus was in a small group. You should be in a, a small group too. <laughs> Jesus had uh, 12 men who walked around with him who he lived life with, and he poured his life, uh, taught them and did all these things with them. He lived a life with these men. It was uh, really a uh, small group. You see it, Peter and Paul. You see them uh, frequently referencing the people that they're with, especially Paul at the end of a letter. Um, you know, this guy and this guy who are, um, who are here with me at greet you also. He does that one book after the next after the next. He's not out there spreading the gospel all over the known world by himself. He's doing this with other people. We see in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. If you've ever been to a men's conference at men, that was probably the theme verse of the conference. <laughs> That's the only verse they know in, in Scripture. <laughs> you see in Acts chapter 2, you see they devoted themselves... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> This is being recorded. I'm, I maybe shouldn't have said that. And you, you see in Acts chapter 2, they have all things in common. They're selling their possessions and they're giving, uh, uh, they're giving as any have need. Uh, you see they're breaking bread in their homes and receiving their food with uh, glad hearts and not praising God and having a favor with all the people. You see this, like I said, they're living out this uh, new faith. It's the beginning of the church and they're living this out with each other. And you get the sense they're with each other just about all the time get the sense that they didn't know the, uh, the, the uh, way that I treat our house sometimes. You pull in the garage and you shut the door while you're still in the driver's seat because you don't want anybody to see you getting out of the car and maybe engage you in conversation. That's not what they're doing. You see in uh, Galatians chapter 6, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see in Hebrews, uh, more than once we're told to exhort each other 
We're told to encourage each other. It's impossible to do that unless you're living with other believers. And then in James, you get the one that we all love. When James says to, I confess your sins to one another and I pray for one another that you may be healed. That's the night in small group that everybody wants to be sick or skip. It's uncomfortable, but it's impossible to confess your sins to one another unless you're living like this. So as you see, the authors of Scripture, they write with almost an assumption that the believers who are receiving the letters they're writing are living with other believers in community. This is just a part of what it means if you want to be a believer. If you want to live out, a, if you want to live out your faith, then this is how things work. So now that we've established that, so what is the purpose of a small group, and what do we do? So I said the purpose of our small groups at number one is for the glory of God. That's not just your small group, by the way. It's your life. It's your friendships. It's your job. It's everything in your life. That's the goal of the universe. You see at the end of the Bible, you see, you see a multitude gathered around the throne of our God and they worship him because the entirety of the universe is moving in one direction. It's the exaltation of the name of our God. So I certainly hope that while you're here at our church, you will notice that everything we do here is for the glory of God. Because that is not just the chief end of man. It's the chief end of the world. As uh, Brad House says in his book, he says our primary purpose in small groups is not that our needs are being met, but that Jesus would be lifted high. That's kind of hard to hear because that flies in the face of what we want our small group to be about. If I'm being honest, when I go to small group, I mean, as the leader of a small group, I kind of hope you guys think what I say is pretty cool and insightful and intelligent. <laughs> because I want this, in a lot of ways, I want the small group to be about me. Maybe when you come, you're coming expecting to have a certain list of needs met. And hear me say this, we certainly want to meet your needs in small group. I'm getting there. But that's not the main reason we're there. The main reason that we're there is the glory of our God. It's to magnify uh, the name of his son. So our primary purpose in uh, small groups is not that our needs are met, but that Jesus would be lifted high. He goes on to say, and this is the good news for all of us, it's not that we are not blessed by the love we share for one another, but that we experience our greatest joy when Jesus is most uh, glorified. So what he's saying is, as a believer in Christ, you've been given a new heart. You've been given a heart of a flesh that loves the things of God. And so that heart experiences, experiences its greatest satisfaction, its greatest joy, when the name of our God is exalted. Let me give you an example of this that maybe will make, it make more sense. It's been no secret around our church the past two and a half years that Sarah and I are struggling with our fertility. And let me say, um, we could not have made it without our church. It wouldn't have happened. It's one of the reasons I believe so firmly in small groups, because we couldn't have made it up without ours. But if we go to small group and we share our, uh, you know, guys, it's been an especially hard uh, month or it's been an especially hard uh, day or whatever. And somebody says, let me tell you about 
a, a friend of mine, you know, who struggled for, you know, uh, uh, five years. Let me tell you about the doctor that they went to. They say, let me give you a hug. Let me bring you a meal. Let me do all these things. If they encourage us and love us and tell us the stories that encourage us, then how's our small group accomplish its goal? I'd say no. I'd say it is not. Let me tell you when our small group accomplishes its goal. It's when we go in and we say, hey, guys, it's been an especially hard month. You know, we were hopeful and it didn't happen. And somebody says, well, I trust Christ. Somebody says, don't waste your suffering. I knew I was going to cry here. I'm sorry. When somebody goes into the scriptures and shows us that our suffering is not in vain. When somebody says, we know he works all things together for good. That's what I mean. So maybe in the moment, a story about a doctor seems to meet that need. But that's not meeting the deepest need. Because our deepest need is that the name of our, is that the name of our Lord will be exalted. And that's when, even in the middle of suffering, that's when my heart is stirred the deepest. That's when the comfort feels the deepest and the most abiding. It's not just in a story about somebody you know who conceived after a long, after a long bout with infertility. Sure, that's encouraging. But the most encouraging thing is when somebody says, well, look what Paul says here. He says your suffering's not in vain, and he says it's a building for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And that is what I mean when I say the primary uh, purpose in our small groups is not that our needs are being met, but it's that the name of our Lord is exalted. And that is how they both happen at the same time. Because your new heart is most satisfied when the name of your Lord is uplifted the highest. So the number one reason that we meet now and until the end of time will be the glory of our God. The second reason that we meet is for the community of believers. How does this look? So the first thing that we want to do is we want to love and encourage each other. That's what I say. Sometimes it is encouraging when somebody says, well, hey, let me give you a hug. Let me bring you a meal. Let me do something like that. That's stuff that we want to do. That's stuff that we want to see happening. That's stuff that's important. But it's also important here that we say biblical love and the worldly love are not always the same thing. So worldly love and encouragement would look like you come in and you say what's going on and we celebrate it and we got cheered on and everybody's loving and encouraging. Biblical love sometimes looks like somebody pulls you to the side and says, hey, I've noticed a pattern of sin in your life. Sometimes it looks like, uh, hey, like I know you don't want to hear this, but because I love you, I think you need to hear it. And that is more important and more encouraging than just being 
uh, cheered on. But we do want to love and encourage each other. We also lay aside our uh, our uh, preferences. That goes back to what we talked about. The small group is not really about a you. It's about the glory of our God. You're not going to always get what you want in small group. It's part of living with other people. It's part of living in a group of people who are all sinners. They're saved by grace. So we lay that stuff aside. We also walk into and carry the burdens of others. That's what I've talked about that our small group has done such a good job of in the struggles that we've been having. Walking to and carrying the burdens of others. We also treat the church like a family. And this is how we do that. So the number one way we love and encourage each other is we study Scripture together. There's nothing for the believer's heart that's more loving and encouraging than diving into the Word of God and studying it. I've said before, if Sunday is the view from 30,000 feet, then small groups should be the view on the ground. It should be, now that we know the truths of Scripture that we learned on Sunday afternoon, what do I do with it? Small group is Jesus with the woman at the well saying, go get your husband. It's a call to action and application. It's the hard truth of Scripture having to come in contact with your life and saying, now that I know all these things, what do I do with this? So we will study the Scriptures with each other. We will also pray. We will spend entire small groups in prayer. Because we believe that God loves to answer the prayers of his people. So we'll spend entire small groups praying for our city, for our church, for our families, for each other, for needs that you may have in your life. We would do accountability. And it is inevitable that whenever you do that, somebody new is going to show up. (laughs) And you're going to say, well... It's going to be a little little weird for you, probably. But you're about to hear about everybody's sin. So uh, typically, accountability looks like we split up the guys and the girls because we want you to be comfortable sharing what's going on in your life. And we get really real with each other. Let me tell you how encouraging that is in a world where everything has to be filtered for Instagram. For you to be able just to sit down with believers in Christ who you know love you and say, this is where I'm having a hard time. Man, I'm having a really hard time uh, loving my wife. I'm having a really hard time with um, greed. Man, I just, I notice I want stuff so much. I'm having a hard time with lust. Man, I... We're struggling with infertility, and I'm struggling to not be upset when other people get pregnant. This is where we're able to walk in and carry the burdens of other people. It's in sitting together with people and stripping off all the filters and saying, this is what's happening in my life. And now as brothers or as sisters in Christ, let's walk in this and help each other and hold each other accountable and walk through this together. And it's not just a, well, that night, 
like it's sitting around a table, I shared it, and that's the last time I hear from anybody about it. You share it on Wednesday, maybe on Friday you get a text from somebody, hey, I'm praying for you today. And then on Saturday, somebody else, hey, I wanted to see how that was going. That's our goal. It's an intentional time we have to push each other and encourage each other in our pursuit of Christ and our pursuit of holiness. So we do this also by offering support to each other. This is what I mean when I say support. Um, it means like a, a small group should feel like your family. And by that I mean if you're moving, if something bad happens in your family, if something good happens in your family, my hope would be the first call you make would not be to your coworker or your neighbor. It would be your small group. If it, if you're not able to make your rent one month, if you're not able to pay a medical bill, if you have something happen in your family and uh, you have to go out of town, it'd be our desire that your first call would not be your neighbor or your coworker. You should call them, I'm guessing. My hope would be your first call would be your small group because we love and support and encourage each other. And the final way we do this is my favorite thing we do. If you see the shape I'm in, you know what I'm about to say. Uh, uh, meal night. There's something special about sitting around a table with each other and sharing food together. It's been that way since the beginning of time. I don't know what it is, but there's something special about sitting together and sharing a meal. And so we want to do a lot of that. Uh, those are the times that it's um, uh, the relationships are built and the comfort level goes up and things like that start to happen. It's sitting around a table together. It's playing at Mario Kart at the Ogburn's house and, and only winning one time, even though you've played at least a million because I'm sure that's all the Ogburns do because they win every single time we play. It's in doing things like that together. And that's stuff we want to build into the rhythm of our small groups. It's just intentional time to hang out and uh, do games and do uh, meals and just uh, spend time together. I think in all of this, that my desire for the community of a believer would be that you, uh, that you never would feel like you don't fit in in your small group. It would be that you would see when you walk into your small group, you, uh, you belong here. I'm trying to think of an example for this. And I don't know that this one's going to do it, but it's the only thing I could think of. So if you know me, you know I'm from a small town. And when I say a uh, small town, I mean not uh, two stoplights that you can see at the same time. Uh, 1,500 people. Um, you could literally uh, walk from uh, one sign that says a uh, welcome to Pine Tops to the other sign that says uh, please come back. Like, it's a, it is a small town. I worked at the at the... Uh, grocery store in town, which if you know a small town's in the south, was not a uh, food line or Harris Teeter or a Walmart, Piggly Wiggly, um, exclusively. I worked in the uh, meat department, and like everybody else that worked back there, I was also a uh, volunteer, a firefighter. I lived a redneck small town dream 
for the first uh, 20 years of my life. And it was great. I loved it. Um, and I still love that, a small town and the people there. Um, and then I went away to college. And uh, uh, North Raleigh is a little different than Pine Tops. Um, and a lot of the friends I made were into uh, music that I was not into. So when I put on this microphone, I referenced uh, Garth Brooks for a uh, reason, okay? Because uh, my two uh, modes of music were uh, Garth Brooks and uh, Third Day, okay? And that's just where I lived. You know, uh, DC Talk, uh, George Strait. It, it was either uh, Christian or uh, Redneck Country Music, one or the other. That was just me. When my friends were into, like, screamo hardcore, and even when I say that, you can hear my voice, how uh, not in place I was. So I decided, you know, I like these people. I want to get into the things they're into. And they're like, we're going to a show tonight. Do you want to go? Of course. Sure. So I rummaged through all my clothes and found a uh, black shirt because I figured I, I needed to fit in at least a little bit. <laughs> And we walked into the, uh, the uh, venue. Like I said, the only concerts I'd been to up until this point were like uh, Michael W. Smith and uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman. And so we walk up past the bar, and I'm already like, well, that's a little different. <laughs> and um, we walk in, walk out down near the stage, and which was obviously way too close for me and what was ab about to happen. And this band walks out. I, I, I couldn't even tell you the bands that were there that night. Um, and that place absolutely lost its mind. Just, just it was unbelievably insane. Um, a lot of fun, but it was for sure I was out of place. And then became apparent that there were a lot of uh, rules that I didn't know about uh, what happens at a show like this. Because all of a sudden, all the people in front of me made a circle. It was like, it was like they all knew it was going to happen at the exact same moment. It just like happened. Whew, the circle opened up, and the most incredibly violent stuff you've ever seen in, in your life started happening in, the, in that circle, and was called uh, um, uh, rhythm and not dancing and not music. And, but to me, it just looked like they wanted to punch somebody in the, in the face. And I looked around in that moment, and I thought, I don't belong here. I'm not even close to belonging here. I am so far from belonging here. It's n it, it. My hope for your uh, small group is that while it's going to take, you know, weeks or months to build that, uh, f those uh, friendships and those uh, relationships and that uh, trust where you feel like you really cannot share the dark corners of your heart where you're hiding stuff, it would be that you would never feel like a redneck at a uh, screamo concert at your small group. <laughs> Thinking about getting uh, shirts made that say that. <laughs> so uh, restoration uh, small groups exist. Number one, for the glory of our God. Number two, to provide um, um, community. And uh, three is to uh, practically engage our city with the gospel and with the vision of our church. So this is where we get to uh, uh, the focus that we talked about uh, last week. 
It said, this has to start on uh, your street. If we have a small group, but I'll take the outlaws as an example because they host and they're not here, so I can talk about them. <laughs> if we have a small group that meets at their house for, say, a year or a year and a half, and nobody else on uh, Shuni Street knows what's going on there, the only thing they know is that at 6.30 on Thursdays, a bunch of cars roll up and people uh, scurry out and go inside and they scurry back to their cars after about an hour and a half or so and they leave. If we never engage that street with the gospel, we failed. And in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter as much what's going on inside that small group. Because we've dropped the ball. Because we have put an outpost of our church right in a neighborhood and nobody even knows they're there. That would be a failure in my eyes. Because we talked about the number one reason that our small groups exist is for the glory of our God. And what is more exalting than when a lost person hears the gospel and responds in faith? So if we're going to put an outpost of our church in the middle of your neighborhood and it starts, it starts right there with engaging our city with the gospel and the vision of our church. I've said before, if Sundays are the front door to our church, small groups are the back door. Let's be honest, all your friends use the back door anyway. I think a lot of times, though, we focus on invite your friends, invite your coworkers, invite your family. We want them here on Sundays. Yeah, we do. But some of your friends will never come on Sunday. Because a Sunday service is intimidating. Or because they've had a bad experience in the past with church. And so they don't want to come to a church. But, but you know what they will come to? Now, they'll come to your house and they'll sit around your table and they'll eat with you and your friends from your small group. If Sunday morning is the front door, then your small group should be the back door into our church. So uh, restoration, not small groups, exist for the glory of God, for community, for believers in Christ, and to engage our city with the gospel, with the vision of our church. Uh, guys, I've been in, uh, uh, I've been in a uh, small group for literally as long as I can remember at a uh, Maybe we called it a Sunday school, or maybe we called it a youth group, or maybe we called it something else. But it was a small group. Let me tell you, this life is not meant to be lived alone. And if you make an attempt to walk out your faith in Christ, uh, Lone Ranger style, then you will not succeed. It's meant to be something that you share with other believers in Christ. And that your relationship with Christ, sure, it's personal, but it's not as personal as maybe you've believed. So it's my desire for this semester that you would get involved in a uh, small group, that you'd invest there, that you would love the people there, that you would serve the people there, and then that all of you together would serve your street, would serve your neighborhoods, would serve our city. Let's pray.